Hey there, welcome to the sixth and final episode of Rink Talk for the 2017 season. I'm Robert McClemon. We're talking shinny hockey today. My first guest is Brant Slomovic. He is a photo essayist based in Toronto, Ontario, and we're going to be talking about his beautiful photography where he depicts people skating on outdoor rinks. I'll also be speaking with Ian Williams. He's a backyard rink maker and amateur hockey coach from Waterloo, Ontario. He also accompanied me to the NHL's 100th anniversary outdoor classic game in Ottawa, where the Sens played the Montreal Canadiens. We'll be talking about that game and how we thought it recreated the shinny hockey experience. We'll also be talking about how to make rinks and the kind of skills that kids learn by playing shinny. And in between those interviews, you'll hear a short audio postcard I put together of the sounds of the outdoor match in Ottawa so that those of you who couldn't be there could get a feel for what one of these games is like. Stay tuned. To the podcast. I'm Robert McClemon. Before we get going, I thought I'd mention that this is indeed our sixth episode. When we launched the podcast in early 2017, we were not entirely sure whether there was a wide audience for stories about backyard rinks told not by professional hockey players or old-time hockey players, but by ordinary people who maintain backyard rinks or by people who do really interesting artistic, scientific, or, or other sort of activities related to rinks. Uh, and who have interesting stories to tell. We've given it a go. We've put six episodes out there in the world. We hope that you like what you're hearing. If you do, you can help us by spreading the word through social media, by writing a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from, and just generally helping us increase the listenership for the podcast. Because the chances of us being able to make more episodes in 2018 really depends upon the enthusiasm and the response that we get in late 2017 and the early winter months of 2018. So if you can, please help us out. Now let's get to my first interview for today's episode. It's with Brant Slomovic. He is a photo essayist who is based in Toronto, Ontario. He has this really beautiful collection of photos called The Shinny Project. We'll put a link to that on our website. And if you get a chance to look at them, you will see these beautiful Canadiana type images of people having fun on outdoor rinks or quiet places where rinks are not being used with beautiful landscapes in the background. I interviewed Brant earlier this year and we talked about his photography but we also talked about the experiences he's had in sharing his artwork with people that he meets on these rinks and I think you're going to like this interview. Brant Slomovic, welcome to the podcast. Thanks Robert, great to be here. Uh, so let's jump right into the, the, the Shinny Project. Can you tell us a little bit about it and what you were hoping to uh, to illustrate or, or to essay with this project? Sure. Uh, so the Shinny Project is a, a long-form photographic documentary project. Um, and what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to pay homage to, well, if you will, the original form of hockey. Um, but I'm also trying to explore the tradition of Shinny hockey as part of the fabric of what I would consider the Canadian identity. 
let's talk a little bit about more uh, a little bit more about that the canadian identity uh and it hockey does seem to to and backyard and outdoor hockey in particular does seem to be part of it uh, where did you, where did the inspiration come from well I've, I've always been attracted to the aesthetic and imagery of shinny in fine art um for one i grew up in montreal and uh Shinny was just the way we lived our winters. So it was a very familiar thing to me. And I've had these images sort of floating around for a while, almost in a nostalgic kind of way. Um, but there's a there's a great tradition of, of uh, art in Quebec, specifically, I think, of painters like uh, Terry Tamalti and John Little, who established a tradition of, of painting hockey scenes. Um, and to my knowledge, the subject had not been documented in photographs. So I wanted to set out on a project to chronicle uh, the multi-layered significance of shinny hockey. Um, and it really started from one photograph that was more of a spontaneous thing. I was I was driving on a country road in the eastern townships of Quebec, and I saw this scene on the lake, and I sort of pulled the car over to the side of the road and grabbed my gear and walked out onto this frozen lake, and, and it sort of just went from there. Can you describe that image, that photo that you captured? Yeah, so it's actually the it's one of the leading photos from the project. It's, uh, it's this big expanse of a typical Canadian frozen lake with a, a very sort of subtle background of mountains and hills and then there's this beautiful constructed rink sort of floating in the middle of the rink it was at that time it was abandoned so there was no one playing on it and had this sort of quiet stillness but sort of this dreamlike quality to it and I just thought it it fit my idea of exactly what I was looking for from an aesthetic point of view so there were no skaters in that initial image but when I look through the photo essay I see a lot of images of of people just on the ice just sort of looking at the camera um, what, what's the sort of the progression, uh, you know, from an artistic point of view when you're putting together an essay like this? In mo- most of my projects, there's some form of um, construct around the scene and sort of the, the landscape. And some of my landscapes, actually most of my landscapes tend to be devoid of people for some reason. Uh, I think it's just where I, where I gravitate to. But it kind of sets up this quiet space, which allows you to enter into the, the concept of the project. But then to me, as in most of my things, it's really all about the people, um, and it's about the the diversity of people. Specifically with Shinny, I really want to approach something that was different from what you see in the mainstream media, which is just a, a plethora of white people, white men, for example. Um, and I thought the Shinny experience was much more diverse and reached across many, many more um, spaces. And I, I felt like the more interesting aspect to it was who else is playing hockey, who else is involved besides the people we see on TV all the time. And so who are these people that are in the photo essay? Who are these shinny players? Where did you find them? And, and do you know anything about their backstory? Or was it all just spontaneous? It, it, it was mostly spontaneous. Uh, I just sort of set out upon a scene and I, and I observed for quite a bit of time. And I maybe start making images after, you know, a few minutes. Um, and then usually if there's a group of people playing, somehow someone identifies themselves as being approachable or someone looks particularly interesting to me. And I, I, I frankly just walk up and I'm, I'm very casual and honest about what my intentions are. And I'll just approach them and, and introduce myself and sort of say, this is what I'm about. This is what I'm doing. And would you be interested in talking for a few minutes and, and allowing me to make a portrait? Um, there are a couple of celebrities who I've, I've gotten into the project, which has been great. Um, but for me, it's really about sort of how ubiquitous this experience is so the celebrities are great because it it sort of reaches to like well everyone's playing shinny including all these great people but it's also something that's extremely common and i was trying to show the breadth of of who who's involved were there any um you know other experiences that really stood out when you were carrying out the project when you were talking to people who were out on the rinks anything really really spring to mind 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, for me, it's, it's really about the connection. Um, and, and that I usually find mostly through the personal interactions with the subject of the portraits. Um, so while it's been a blast to photograph people like Sam Roberts and George Strombolopoulos and to share stories and our memories about hockey, um, what's equally as amazing, or maybe even more so, is to speak with the variety of people who I'm meeting. And particularly what I found rewarding is to meet new immigrants to Canada um, from places like Mexico and Africa and Eastern Europe um, who've really adopted the game and are so passionate about learning and, and just getting out there into the cold and having the experience. And uh, my belief is that for them, this is really the first entrance into Canadian culture, and it's the way they identify with a new a new adopted culture and, and country. And I think they're extremely proud to do it, and they're uh, as excited as anybody I've met to get out in the rink and play. And, and that, to me, is probably one of the more interesting aspects of what I'm doing. I hope it isn't becoming a stereotype, you know, around the world that that's, you know, that's how you become a Canadian is to go outside and skate. But at the same time, it's it's if that's the way people see us, it isn't necessarily a bad thing, is it? No, I think it's incredible. Um, I mean, I think we want to maintain our diversity as a nation, but I feel like if that's the way people want to connect to a to a history and a culture, there's there's probably no better way to do it. Do you have a particular favorite photo from the from the essay? That's a tough one. It, it changes with time. Um, there's a photo of a young girl named Denver, um, which is probably one of my favorite portraits, just because she was this incredibly poised and elegant um, teenager. Uh, and and I just I just love the qualities of the image. Um, her skin has this almost angelic glow to it, and she's got this great red hair and a, a contrasting green sweatshirt. And it was just a really nice moment in the middle of New Brunswick. Um, and I, I, it just still resonates with me as my favorite. Did you ever put on your own skates and skate with some of these folks? Uh, the, unfortunately, no. And it's it's been my own self criticism for a while that I tend to go out with a, a, a you know a relatively small but still a cumbersome kid of photographic stuff and I never seem to be able to fit where I never think of taking the skates and stick with them so it's generally more an observation thing I mean I still get out and play but I, I tend not to be able to mix the two together for some reason which is which is which is not a great thing the, when you do a photo essay like this one like the Shinny project is it a finite project like is there a start date and an end date or is it kind of an open-ended project um, I, I tend to look at them as open-ended to a certain point. Uh, so the project that's continuing, um, I sort of set out with an idea of what I want to capture, what I want to tell. Um, and then the idea at some point is to how do you put it together and what's the format at which you're going to sort of put it out into the world. So I, I've always sort of conceptualized this as a as some sort of monograph. So it's something that people can have on their coffee tables or something they can have in their libraries and hopefully you know, derive pleasure from repeated visits to the work. Um, and then it's just a matter of you start to assemble images, you start to put things together and form an edit of what tells the story. And then at some point you start filling in the pieces and, and hopefully one day it's going to feel like everything sits well and, and I'll be able to wrap it up and say, I've done, I've done my due diligence. And what has been the reaction to the Shinny project? Can you describe sort of, is it sort of like, a, oh, I remember when I was a kid or, you know, you know, the whole idea of Canada that you were talking about earlier or, or what have been some, some of the responses you've received? In general, I think the response has been fantastic. Um, I think people identify with the work and sort of relate to what I'm trying to communicate or evoke, which is in one sense, sort of what you described this longing or this feeling of nostalgia and, and bringing up memories. And, um, but more importantly, I think, I'm trying to get people to feel connected to one another um, and to sort of appreciate this amazingly shared cultural thing that we all have. So um, essentially what I'm trying to do is hope, hoping to get more people actually out and playing and keep this thing going because my personal observation is that I – or at least up until a few years ago that that this sort of tradition that we have was sort of 
fading into the into the history books, you know, um, with the advent of technology and and, and gaming and um, and actually sort of to your point specifically to the change in the weather and what we're seeing happen to our winters, which um, my observation purely from a non-scientific perspective is that they're getting shorter and less predictable and, and the ice is not as consistent throughout the winters. You mentioned earlier that you grew up in Montreal and uh, Montreal is kind of like the mecca for outdoor skating, the outdoor rink. Uh, you know, I've, I've heard stories of people growing up in Montreal where people would flood the alleyways out behind their houses and skate on those. Do you, um, do, you know, you've traveled around, you mentioned to different parts of Canada, talking to people and taking photos of their rinks. Do you think that uh, Canadians, is it kind of a universal feeling about the rink or is there a different relationship uh, as you travel around between, say, people in Montreal and outdoor skating and people in New Brunswick or people in Ontario? Yeah, my experience is that it's not too different between province to province. Uh, I, I think, um, I, as I said, yes, I did grow up in Montreal. Um, I grew up in Montreal specifically in the 70s, which is probably... Uh, or arguably the greatest dynasty in hockey history. So we seem to be at that time consumed by hockey um, in a sense. And so um, it was the pastime. Uh, weekends were all about shinny and it was, wasn't was just a couple of hours here or there. It was pretty much an all-day event. And, um, and and my experience is that the people who are out playing today feel the same way. I think for them it's a, it's a very similar thing, um, whether it's in an organized sense or whether it's on a lake or a pond or whether it's in a place behind your house, I feel like what attracts people to this pastime and this this thing is 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 um is the, is the same. So essentially, it, it boils down to the same thing. And where do you see yourself going in the future in terms of uh, storytelling through photo essays more generally, or um, you know, artwork related to the rink uh, project specifically? What's what's what does the future hold? Well, in terms of this specific project, uh, I hope it continues for a while. I don't feel like I'm anywhere near done, and I don't feel like I've covered nearly as much territory as I'd like to. Um, and so I don't have a set deadline in terms of when this is going to be finished. But as I alluded to previously, the winters seem to be getting shorter, certainly in Quebec and Ontario. So the shooting season for me, so to speak, uh, is getting smaller and smaller. But I still have a whole list of places that I, I want to photograph um, and document. And of course, along those, along the way, there'll be people involved, again, more spontaneous than not. Um, in terms of my shot list of what I want to see from a visual perspective. Um, so that's the Shiny project. I, I'm not, not sure when the deadline will be, but I, I feel like it has a few years left to go. Um, in terms of other stuff for the future for me, I'm, I'm moving in little bits of different directions. Um, I'm continuing with the long-term projects. Um, and most of my work, Robert, sort of focuses around ideas or themes of cultural identity. Uh, so I'm pursuing a new body of work in Israel currently, um, which focuses on the idea of um, the universal desire of people to belong and to find purpose, but also how that connects to specific land and territory. Brant Slomovic, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Terrific, Robert. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And uh, I love what you guys are doing over at Rinkwatch. I, I follow what you're up to. And uh, if anyone wants to reach out because they feel like they have a rink worthy of being photographed, you can contact me through the website and I'd be happy to connect with you in person. That was an interview I recorded earlier this year with Brant Slomovic. I reached him via Skype at his home in Toronto. You can see the photographs of the Shinny Project simply by entering those two words, Shinny Project, into your search engine like Google. Or you can reach him at brantslomovic.com. That's Brant, S-L-O-M-O-V-I-C dot com.
December 16th, some friends and I made a road trip from Waterloo to Ottawa to take in the 100th anniversary NHL outdoor classic matchup between the Montreal Canadiens and the Ottawa Senators. While in the stadium, I switched on my smartphone from time to time to record what I guess you would call audio postcards, sounds of the game, and some impromptu interviews with people sitting next to me. Here's one of those clips now. Okay, so it's Robert here, and I'm at the Outdoor Classic game between Ottawa and Montreal here at Lansdowne Park Stadium. We've got great seats. Uh, we're at the red line here, about 17 rows up. can see the benches, can see all the play. You can hear the game going on in the background. And I just thought I'd record this and give you some sounds of an outdoor match for the NHL. Uh, it's pretty cold out here. It's uh, For American uh, listeners, it's probably about zero degrees Fahrenheit, certainly with the, the wind chill. That's about mine, somewhere colder than minus 10, minus 15. There's about 30 or 40,000 people here at the game. The, uh, the Senators just had a power play. The Habs killed it off. We're late in the first period now. Play's been in Montreal's end. Here's a shot. Carey Price, as usual, has been pretty solid in that. Made a few good saves. There's a shot just hit the side of the net by Ottawa. So I'm just going to let the, uh, the recording run for a little bit here, and you can hear a little bit of the game going on in the background. He wants to get some Okay, good. Right. Yeah, follow me, Jack. I'll go down here. Hop over the sheet. So if you've never been to an outdoor NHL game, uh, it's uh, it's pretty uh, much of a spectacle. I mean, you're in a football stadium where they just played the Grey Cup a few weeks ago. There's snow on the on the field. They've built an NHL-size ice out in front of us. And there's the horn to end the first period. So scoreless, but we had a lot of fun. I'm going to do a little interview with my buddy Pierre now. Pierre, when you were a kid in uh, Nova Scotia, did you ever play shinny hockey? Absolutely, we had a pond just below our house. And uh, so, how did you guys uh, uh, come up with teams, for example, when you were playing? Oh, I think we usually threw sticks in, and then sticks got randomly placed to one side or the other. And uh, and so, when you were a kid out there on the uh, on the ice, growing up uh, in Nova Scotia, who did you imagine that you were? What star were you when you were out on the ice? Oh, probably Guy Lafleur, who was a star for the Montreal Canadiens at the time. As a, as a Leafs fan, I won't hold that against you. But um, and did you did you play forward like Elafler? I played right wing, so just like him. Uh huh. And did you shoot the same side as him? I did. Yeah. And uh, did you have the same hockey career as him? Uh, just short of his, I, I would say. <laughs> so. And uh, do, you, do you still play uh, shinny hockey or do you skate outdoors today? Uh, just uh, occasionally. So. And tell me about your neighborhood rink. You live right across the street from the neighborhood rink, don't you? Absolutely. It's a great rink. It's just it's right in the middle of our neighborhood. And uh, lots of people use it. Lots of kids out there, which is great to see. And uh, hopefully with the weather we're having, we'll, we'll get it open quite soon. And uh, do you help flood it? I do. I do the Friday night shift. So, <laughs> Why do you get Friday night? That's a good question. My, my wife poses it several times. <laughs> It's a, I know this rink. This is the Lyndon Lee rink, and I think it's one of the prettiest outdoor rinks I've ever seen. Um, what makes it special for you? 
I think a few things. One, that it gets used by lots of families and kids, but also that it's, it's a real community effort. So lots of people are pitching in to make it work. And, and who uses this rink? Is it just for shinny or is it just for kids for free skating or how is it used? Uh, for both. For both hockey and skating, and always finding a right balance between the two is uh, it's important. So, but it's uh, yeah, it gets lots of use. So, and, and just a final question: then, what kind of skills do you think the kids learn playing shinny hockey and just you know sort of unstructured uh, pickup hockey on on, on outdoor rinks? Oh, I, I think most importantly to to have uh, to have a good time and to exercise in the outdoors. Uh, which is great, but also how to, uh, you know, where conflicts ar- arise, how to resolve them themselves without adults, without structure. So That's awesome. Thanks for being on the podcast, Pierre. Oh, my pleasure. That's uh, Pierre Leblanc, a friend of mine who lives in Ottawa. We're at the uh, outdoor NHL match between Montreal and Ottawa, and uh, we're getting a little chilly here during the first intermission. <laughs> So there you go. That's a little audio clip to give you a feel for what it was like at the big outdoor matchup last weekend. That's one of the perils if you go to a hockey game with me is that I might stick a microphone in your face and interview you. My next interview on the podcast is with Ian Williams. He was also at the game with me, but uh, the the audio didn't turn out so great. So we decided to redo the interview uh, once we got back from Ottawa. Ian is a backyard rink maker and a minor hockey coach from Waterloo, Ontario, Uh, He grew up in Montreal, surrounded by the culture of outdoor hockey, outdoor skating, and uh, lived across the street from an outdoor rink growing up. Here's my interview with Ian, recorded just a few days after the big outdoor matchup in Ottawa. Hi, Ian. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Uh, Let's start with a simple question for you, which is, what did you think of that NHL game that we attended on Saturday, the outdoor match between uh, Montreal and Ottawa at Lansdowne Park? Did it strike you as being a realistic game of shinny? Well, first of all, my one-word answer is, wow, yes. Um, It was had all the makings of a shinny game. Uh, Number one was, uh, it was very, very cold uh, outside. Uh, a lot of people were wearing toques, uh, players included. And uh, another aspect of Shinny that uh, I noticed is that the puck uh, wasn't staying down. It was very difficult to handle for the players. The players were, um, the passes weren't as crisp. Uh, the puck was bouncing around a lot. Uh, and hence, uh, there was kind of a low scoring game as the final because of that. So. I, I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, it was a uh, once-in-a-lifetime experience, and uh, it was really nice to have good seats, too. I think that's important as well, because in those uh, those big stadiums, it's it's. I imagine a lot of people really did not see a lot of what was going on during the game. No, not at all. Um, I had the luxury of going last year, too, in Toronto, and uh, the seats were a little higher up, um, and it was, uh, it was almost... Uh, like we were about a football field away from from the rink itself, um, but this time uh, it was really nice. It was uh, we were if we were any lower, uh, we wouldn't have been able to see the puck uh, beside the boards, uh, the boards closest to us. If we were any higher, uh, we would have seen a little far away. But uh, being right in the middle, seventeen rows up from uh, center ice, uh, was absolutely uh, amazing. Well, let's talk a little bit about your skating rink. You build one in your backyard in Waterloo each winter, don't you? Yes, absolutely. Um, it is, uh, of course, a labor of love. Um, it's uh, 24 by 48 size. 
And uh, in my backyard, it's uh, sloped quite a bit. So one, uh, the deep end there is probably about 12 inches uh, compared to the, uh, the high end there. Um, I do use a uh, white tarp. Um, make sure that if you're a new rink builder, make sure you use a tarp. I learned the hard way sometimes, but uh, yes, I, I do love to, to every year I make the rink and my two children, uh, Jack age 12 now and Kara age seven, uh, love to get out there with their friends and, and enjoy it as well. So um, yeah, no, I, I absolutely love doing it. Is there very much shinny hockey played on your rink? You know, it depends on the year and uh, it depends on you know how many skating days are. If uh, of course my Kids have uh, other activities they do on the weekend and after school. But uh, in the past, there has been. Uh, usually, it's inviting friends over and my son's friends and, and getting them uh, together to, to play some shinny hockey. Um, hopefully, this year, we'll, we'll have some more and um, consistently cold weather so we can have more uh, friends over and have more shinny games. And uh, you're a hockey coach as well, a minor hockey coach. What sorts of skills do you think that kids develop when they're playing shimmy and just having, you know, unstructured pickup games on outdoor ice? As a hockey coach, I I really encourage um, my players to be creative, Um, not only in practice, but, uh, you know, in games. And a lot of that creativity um, stems from playing a lot of uh, or free play, if you will. And free play on the outdoor rink is, is really part of that. So it's, it's making sure they try new things and, and understand their bodies and, and what their bodies can do. Whereas a lot of times when you know, coaches just sort of tell players to play their position and uh, follow the rules and make sure they're not out of position. So um, it really kind of uh, takes away from any kind of creativity. And the fact that I, lo- I love outdoor rinks because you have the ability, there's really not a lot of rules. You can do whatever you want and uh, not have anybody yell at you for it. Did you play a lot of shinny hockey when you were a kid? I did. I played, uh, I had the uh, distinct luxury of uh, growing up uh, 10 blocks from the Montreal Forum Um in the wintertime, I had stepped outside my door, and uh, there was an outdoor hockey rink right there. And if I took a left outside my front door, uh, about uh, a block away was an indoor hockey rink. So I, was, uh, I, I played a lot of uh, outdoor hockey um, in the uh, late 70s and early 80s. You know, the weather was really cold, and, and we had a lot of good days to play outdoor hockey, and uh, and so, yeah, no, we had creativity and um, playing kids from other neighborhoods and playing against adults and just uh, a lot of time outside. You were telling me that uh, one time Bob Gainey came to your rink. Is that right? Uh, it's funny the things that stick out in your, uh, in your mind or your memory when uh, when you're growing up. Uh, obviously, I was a huge uh, Montreal Canadiens fan um, because of the environment I grew up in. And... Uh, I remember distinctly one time as a 12-year-old um, playing in the outdoor rink, and we'd be out there for hours and hours and hours on Saturdays and Sundays and, you know, before and after your indoor games. So, And uh, one day, uh, Bob Ganey showed up with his, uh, with his child, and um, I remember there was a good game of uh, outdoor hockey going on and probably about a dozen kids there. And 
And when we noticed him coming up, everyone sort of uh, stopped and smiled and, and, and looked at him and watched every move. And he slowly put on his skates and put on his child's skates and, and made his way over the boards. And um, I, I seem to distinctly remember him having his skate guards on when he stepped onto the ice. And, and I pretty much stopped in my tracks, just ready to see him fall. But uh, unfortunately unfor- for him, uh, and, and an amazement to me and many other people were he, he just didn't fall. He, he was able to uh, adjust himself, uh, stand on his two feet on ice with his skate guards on, and proceed to remove one skate guard at a time. And for me, um, I thought those NHL players were gods at the time. Now they just kind of went to a super level above gods because uh, I'd never seen that kind of thing happen before. <laughs> and were you hopeful that, you know, if you impressed him on the ice, that he might put in a good word for you with Scotty Bowman? Oh, my goodness, yes. So um, my friends and I must have uh, played our best shinny game ever that day. And, uh, you know, in, in your mind as a 12-year-old, you're hoping that uh, the word gets passed on or he says something to you during the game or after the game that uh, – you have a chance. You're a really good player. So that's the kind of thing that was going through my mind at that time. So thinking about all the people who might be listening to this and who are either building a rink or thinking about building a rink this winter, uh, have you got any tips that you've learned, uh, you know, trial and error kind of stuff uh, that you could pass along to other rink builders? If it is your first rink and, uh, you know, you, you, uh, you, got the time to build it. Um, the first thing I would do as a new rink builder and of course, I learned this the hard way is make sure that you have uh, level ground. Um, there can be a lot of uh, extra water, extra time that you put into uh, a ground that uh, has a big pitch uh, like mine. <laughs> Some people will over the summertime flatten their grounds, bring in high contractors to do that. I wish I had done that five years ago when I first started my rink. Um, but uh, I've continued to just sort of uh, make adjustments every year to make it a little easier for me and a little faster to, to fill the rink and maintain it. But uh, first things first, yeah, make sure you got level ground. Second thing I would say, get definitely get a tarp. Um, that saves you a lot of headache, especially with um, <clears throat> the spotty weather we have in the winters these years uh, where we don't have consistent days of cold uh, you know, a tarp can really save your rink when uh, it thaws out for a couple of days and uh, so you don't lose as much water on your rink. So, uh, you know, layers is also a good thing. And, and if you wanted to smooth out your ice, I guess the, the third thing I'd say is maybe not a lot of people know this. So if you're a first time rink builder is if you see a lot of bumps on the ice or it's not as smooth as you want to, um, you know, throw a coat of uh, hot water if you can on the top layer of your ice and that'll smooth it out. So you're a strong believer in the hot water flooding method, are you? You know, I am. I don't wouldn't throw a lot of hot water on there. Um, I would. Uh, I, I do it at nighttime after a day of skating, uh, after shoveling, um, and it's a good way to sort of level your ice and and smooth it out. Um, I wouldn't skate on it right after you know you throw the hot water on. I'd leave at least a couple of hours uh, to, for it to freeze. Um, and like I said, I usually I do it late at night after everybody's gone to bed, and, and that way we have a fresh coat in the morning. What do you think about when you are out there flooding in the middle of the night? 
Well, yeah, you know what? It's a lot of things. It's sort of a relaxing time. Um, first of all, you know, you got to be bundled up. You don't want to be thinking about how cold you are and, and how freezing your toes and, and fingers are. So uh, you want to bundle up. But for me, it's more, uh, it's an enjoyable, relaxing time where, you know, you feel like you're doing something productive and doing something for your kids, for yourself. And you think about, you know, some of the times you skated as a kid and some of the times your kids skated that day or that week. And, you know, what other times, you know, might be able how many times do you think you're going to have be able to skate on the rink this year? So it's a nice feeling to get away from it all and enjoy, you know, building something for, for you and for your kids and for the community and those who come by and, and enjoy it. Ian, it's been a real pleasure chatting to you today. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. It was a real pleasure for me, too. That was Ian Williams. He's a backyard rink maker and an amateur hockey coach from Waterloo, Ontario. sounds you're listening to are unmistakable to anyone who's ever been to a hockey game where the home team scores a late goal, which is exactly what happened. That was about three or four minutes left in the third period of the outdoor match between Montreal and Ottawa, where the Sens got a, an important goal to make it two to nothing and pretty much sealed the game. That's a good spot to leave it for this, the sixth and final episode of the inaugural season of the Rink Talk podcast. When we launched this podcast, we didn't know what to expect. Based on what we'd seen on social media, we suspected that there might be an eager listenership for stories about rinks or stories about people who do interesting things related to rinks. So we put together these first half dozen episodes. If we're going to put together more in 2018, we're going to need some help from you. It is a lot of effort to put these together. It takes about 10 to 15 hours to put together a single episode, and we don't get paid to do it. We've got no corporate sponsors. Not that we're averse to that. If you've got some money and you'd like to sponsor us, please let us know. But otherwise, it's a labor of love for us. To continue doing this, we want to see that there's an active and eager listenership out there. So the way you can help us is to spread word about the Rink Talk podcast through your social media feeds or other ways that you communicate with people. We'd like to see some reviews on iTunes. And uh, just generally, we want to see lots of people uh, listening and, and talking about the podcast. So if you've liked what you've heard, please help us out. As always, I'd like to thank the musicians who put together the music that we've heard throughout this podcast series. That would be Keenan Reimer Watts, Clarissa Webb, and Ryan Dougal. And most of all, I'd like to thank you for joining us. Hopefully, we'll catch you again sometime real soon. In the meantime, hope you have a great winter. Hope the skating's good and have a lot of fun out there. I'm Robert McClemon. Bye for now.